0: Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We are continuing today on our A Faith That Works series. Uh, For those of you who are maybe joining us for the first time this week, uh, this is where we are going through the book of James, and week by week, we are unpacking a different chapter and this is week four, everybody. And so we are on James chapter four is the good news. Uh, So we're looking at this idea of a faith that works. And today specifically, what we're kind of unpacking and wrestling through together is waging war on my ego. Now, before you guys get all excited, that doesn't mean I want you guys like shouting nasty things at me or like putting mean things in the chat. This isn't specifically about bringing back my ego. This is, although you know, I'm welcome, I'm open to criticism. Uh, This is kind of about us working on our ego collectively. How do we wage war on our ego? And I guess the premise of today, what what we're thinking through is that ego is the enemy of connection. And Leon mentioned uh, uh, a moment ago that this is Pentecost Sunday. And the idea behind Pentecost Sunday is that God sent his spirit to us so that he could be continually connected to us and with us. He bridged that gap between humanity and heaven. And we're celebrating that today. We understand the importance of connection. For so many of us, we in this last year have valued and Realize the value in connection and realize the pain and uh, discomfort and frustration of disconnection. It may well be relational disconnection, emotional disconnection, physical disconnection, technological disconnection, but disconnection is painful. Uh, in this last year, uh, myself and Andy have realised that our internet connection in our house is not all that we hope and dream. And uh, just like many of you guys, we in this last year have been kind of leading meetings and taking part in meetings on Zoom. And uh, our internet has not always been our friend in that setting. And there was one particular time where uh, Andy was leading a seminar. And uh, I believe he was interviewing someone from maybe America, and also very important. And he was doing that for these kind of youth, this youth work network within the UK. And and it was really important that the internet hold it out. It really, really mattered. But I had that afternoon off work. And uh, that afternoon, I was going on a socially distanced walk with Beth, uh, who many of you guys will know. She's in here somewhere this morning from the pre and the post. And I thought, what would be lovely is to make myself a nice flask of tea. I'm 35 now, uh, to go on my socially distanced walk. And so what I did was I thought, right, Andy, where Andy's doing this Zoom from, it's actually next to the kitchen. And I didn't want to like, I wanted him to have a good connection with the people that he was talking to. And so what I decided to do is rather than make my tea in the kitchen, I would do it in the hallway because I didn't want like him like hearing the kettle going off, me banging around. I wanted a good connection for him. So I took the kettle, I filled it up, I went and sat in my hallway ready to make my tea. But what I forgot in that moment was that our ho- in our house, our wiring is dodgy. And uh, there's a plug socket in our hallway, and you're going to see where this is going, where our internet is plugged in. And if you plug anything else into that plug socket and switch it on, it switches our internet off. And so I thought I was being immensely helpful. And I, uh, I plug my cat limb, I turn it on, at which point Andy comes through the office, through the kitchen, into the hallway, has no idea what I'm doing, but well, it comes in to see his wife sat in the hall making a cup of tea. Uh, And he's like mad. He's like, what? You've just cut the internet off. He was was so forgiving and so gracious in that moment. But my heart was for connection. My heart was to help. But what I had done by accident was created disconnection. And for so many of us, we want connection. We see connection as a good thing, but what we accidentally end up doing is building barriers between ourselves and people. It's like there's this war that goes on inside of us, and it's this exact thing that we're going to talk about today. You see, our ego builds barriers instead of bridges. And whether you are here today or watching this online and you are a follower of Jesus or not, this content is for you because this is a people problem uh, that we're going to be working through together, this war that goes on inside of us. And um, we're looking at James 4 and James goes in like straight at... the Like verse 1 of chapter 4, James says this, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? And then... Uh, very quickly James moves on to specifically pin this down on pride and ego in James 4 verses 6 and 7 it says and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble so humble yourselves before God resist the devil and he will flee from you You know, uh, as he begins to unpack this idea of ego, there are two areas that he goes... If we're thinking about a war, there's two battles that he holds within this chapter to address the wider war. And first of all, he talks about the battle of judgment and judging others. And then he talks about the battle of boasting uh, and boasting uh, to other people. And so we're going to unpack both of these things. But both of these things build barriers instead of bridges. Judgment says, this is who you are, and it's not good enough. Boasting says, this is who I am, and I need to prove that it's good enough. And so the premise that we're going to keep circling back around today together is this, that ego builds barriers instead of bridges, and these petitions will become our prison. So. I'm going to go straight in. We're going to go straight in, uh, looking at judgment in James chapter 4. This is what it says in James 4, verses 11 to 12. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticise and judge each other, then you are criticising and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy so what right do you have to judge your neighbour? You know, I love that last line. I love it because I feel like I've said it. What right do you have to judge me? Uh, Just out of interest, could you just indicate to me in the room, maybe raise a hand if you're online, maybe put a little hand emoji in the chat, have you ever been judged by anybody else? Have you ever felt judged, that someone has made a judgment or an assumption about you? Yeah, 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 loads of us in the room. This is something we're familiar with, feeling like people make a judgment about who we are from something that they have seen about us, and it makes us angry and it makes us mad. My favourite one, I have loads of examples of where this has happened to me. My favourite one I will share with you. When Andy and I started going out and started dating, he had a house party uh, in his house, and I went there to meet like loads of his friends. And I went, and I was kind of stood on my own in the corner, and a girl who will remain nameless came up to me and said, oh, are you Andy's new girlfriend? I said, oh, yeah, I am, yeah. She went, oh... Andy usually dates thin blondes. (laughs) What right do you have to judge me? I was so mad. I was like, you don't know me. You've never met me before. I've never spoken to her since, unsurprisingly. But I was so mad in that moment. It made me so angry. We're really quick to spot it when this happens to us but we are so rubbish at spotting this in ourselves. I've been writing a talk on this now for a fairly long time, and even yesterday morning, Andy turned to me and went, Laura, that was a fairly judgy thing to say. I was like, oh Matt, if I haven't nailed this by this point. This is something that we just don't spot in ourselves what we tend to do is that we tend to see a fact about somebody else. We see an action, an eye roll, uh, the way someone dresses, the tone they use, a post that they give, the holiday they go on, the car they drive, the party that they vote for. And we see this fact. And what we do is we create our own fiction narrative behind that fact. We make an assumption about who they are and what they're about based on a simple fact that we see. And sometimes that fiction narrative says a lot more about us than it does about them. You know, what we can actually do is we can even um, almost have this, this show and tell with people. We have a show and tell where we say, well, this person is like this. And have you seen that they did that? And did you hear the tone that they used? We do this thing and sometimes we parade these people in front of our own heads and our own conscience. Sometimes we do it in front of other people and people that we know. Did you see how they did that? But sometimes we do it in front of God as well. And we say, that person, that I'm going to pray for them. They are so like that, and it's not okay. But the heart behind it isn't positive and isn't good. What's happening is our ego is building a barrier. Andy Stanley does some amazing teaching on this. And so um, in the next like, couple of minutes, anything I could, good that I say, just assume it was him, uh, he does some amazing teaching. And one of the things that he says, it, and it really challenged me, was that really what we're saying when we judge people is that looking at you makes my ego feel better about me. Looking at you makes my ego feel better about me. And so I would say, if we are here today, if you are watching this online, and you have a problem with a person or a people group, and you are more concerned about that problem with that person than you are about the problems that are within you and what's going on with you, then we have an issue. If we are so caught up on the problems with other people, then we may well have an issue and we're more bothered about what's wrong with them than we are what's wrong with us. Ego builds barriers instead of bridges and these petitions will become our prison. You see, what we do is we build more and more barriers around us, and these barriers eventually become an echo chamber. And all the echoes around us are words and opinions that sound and feel like us. People that, that look like us, sound like us, live like us, have values like us. And all of a sudden, it's us in our echo chamber, and it's them the other side of the barrier, the other side of the divide. And if I'm honest with you, social media is set up to do this. The algorithms within social media do this. They create these echo chambers that make it us and them. And we get more and more cut off from anyone who isn't like us. Here's the thing. In Matthew 7, Jesus says something quite stunning about judging people. He says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Some of us will have heard this before. But if I ask you the question, when you make a mistake, how would you like people to judge you? Well, that's a different thing. If you know me even a little, you will know that I make mistakes all the time. I do things wrong, oh my goodness, I say things wrong, sometimes the things that fall out of my mouth. And and if I do that, what I would hope is that the person who hears me wants to understand why I did that that they would maybe assume that I regret it too. Or maybe they would want to know about me, they would want to understand me, they would want to understand the insecurities, what was going on with me that day, why it is that I felt so upset about that thing. They would want to understand the fact that I'm more frustrated with myself for doing that thing than you're frustrated with me. But in order to do that, you need to have proximity to me. You need to build a bridge towards me to understand where I'm coming from. Now, does this mean that when people do things wrong, we just should leave them to it? Well, I don't want to judge you. You do you. No, because actually that's not loving either. Instead, I believe what we are called to do is we are called to pull down our barriers, use those materials to build a bridge towards that person, and to say, let me understand let me understand what's going on with you, why you act that way, what's underneath that behaviour? And that we would stand shoulder to shoulder with that person and journey somewhere different together because we have both been changed. James also goes to battle on boasting. So uh, we're going to read James 4, verses 13 to 16. It says this, Look, here, you who say. Today or tomorrow, we're going to go a certain town uh, and we'll stay there a year. We'll do it. uh, We'll do business there and we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live uh, and do this or that. Otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and such boasting is evil. Now, I'm gonna be very honest with you. When I first read the words in this passage, I actually laughed out loud because I thought if like my box ticker to know whether I'm nailing this or not, is to kind of have no plans whatsoever and be willing for them to all go wrong. I would say we've been nailing this for about a year and probably will continue to for the next six months. However, I don't necessarily think that that is what James means when he says this. I think there's a little bit more underneath it. Um, I think what this this passage does kind of bring home is what is it and what has it been about this last year that's actually made us kind of uncomfortable about not having plans, about things going wrong, about trying to work stuff out and work work out where we're at in relation to kind of everything being thrown in the air, really. And so I would say that there are two reasons and two areas in which um, not having plans and having our plans really messed up can kind of go in on us. Both actually are related to ego. The first one, I think, is around control. And so uh, when our plans don't go the way that we thought, often what can happen is we feel like we've lost control. And we want to be able to be in control because we want to be able to kind of be independent. I don't need you. I'm not reliant on you. I'm not reliant on on other people. I'm not reliant on God. But actually, the second reason that I'm going to say is I think what James is getting at here. And that is this, um, that e- it, when uh, we have a struggle with plans, actually, the issue is, is that we want to appear like we've got it all together, and that our plans are the proof of that. You see, when I have it all together, you'll think, I'm doing Okay. You won't necessarily see my weak spots and my weak areas. If I can manage to turn up somewhere on time, or turn up somewhere time without food down me, or not lose that stuff, all of these things, by the way, I do not nail. Uh, Maybe if I have my house together, or if my kids are well behaved, or if I manage to get that promotion, if I manage to do that thing, have that car, go on that holiday, if I can show you the proof of these things, then you will see that I have it all together. The problem is, when we operate like that, our self-worth becomes determined by our results. And that is not a good place to be. Um, One of the things that I... I do uh, in my job is that I I work for for National Youth for Christ uh, in Britain, and I love it. I love what I do. Uh, And I help work with teams, essentially, to produce things that will help young people come to know Jesus for the first time. But this last year has been a nightmare in that. There have been resources that we've been working on for for months and months and months that we've just had to shelve. There are projects that I've invested loads in that just kind of went a bit wet and limp really. It didn't go the way that I hoped. This is the second time in 18 months I've spoken in front of actual 3D people and normally this is what I do. All throughout this year I've had to keep checking in. When I don't have results to show what is left, when I don't have things to prove my worth, prove I can do what I do, Who am I when it's just me and just Jesus? And if I'm really honest with you, in this next year, things don't feel much different. Andy's going to be talking next week about some of the details, but um, Andy and I are kind of exploring some stuff at the moment. We're not going anywhere. Uh, Might be disappointing for some of you, but we're we're not going anywhere, we're staying here. Um, But we're looking into some stuff at the moment that, again, just throws all of our plans up in the air. I have literally no idea what my next three months to five years looks like in some senses, as I say, Andy will push into that next week. But in all of that, COVID is probably the most predictable thing in my life at the moment. And and God has to keep saying to me, when your plans don't fall through, when you come through, when you don't have the results, or when the results don't go your way, what is left underneath that? You see, when our value is measured by our results, one way or another, we have to put up barriers and we have to cause divisions. Sometimes it's to compare. So we will put up a barrier and compare our performance to somebody else's. But sometimes when our value value is in our results, we'll do that so that people can't get too close to us. If I put my barrier far enough away, you can't get close to me because when you get close to me, you're gonna see the cracks. You're gonna see all the bits of my life that I don't have together. People can only look at us from a distance. Ego builds barriers instead of bridges, and these petitions will become our prison. You see, what we do when we boast, really, is that we put our best results on display. But sometimes, boasting doesn't always look the way that we think it will. I would like to introduce you, if uh, you have not already become familiar with it, to the humble brag. Now, the definition of the humble brag is this. An ostensibly modest or self-deprecating statement whose actual purpose is to draw attention to something of which one is proud. Now, I'm going to show you some posts on social media to familiarize you with this. Here's our first one. Just ruined my perfect grade average by getting a 96% on a quiz. Three crying face emojis. Next up. I was just talking to somebody in Russia about, and I accidentally spoke in Spanish, and I corrected myself in German. Not sure which of us was more confused. Gosh, now this one is my favourite, this next one, and it's not my favourite because of why it looks like it might be my favourite at first glance, just to reassure you. So at the bottom just down here, it says, genuinely forgot how much I love this photo of my niece. Just to point out, this is the niece with her back to the camera. There's something in this which tells me that this humble brag is not about his niece, it's actually about him. But this is the thing, when we boast, when we make a humble brag, it's never the thing we're pretending to point towards. The comment we're making is actually pointing towards us as proof that we are worth something. Now, I'm not saying that you guys here in the room or you at home take this picture. I'm not saying that this afternoon, this is what you've got in mind. However, let me show you the final one, which may may hit a little closer to home. A homeless woman asked me to buy her water, so I did. Two of the best brands. When I exited Whole Foods, I asked her to choose the bottle that she wanted, and I drank the other. I did this action to remind myself that no matter what situation we are in, we always have a choice. I don't think that that post was really about that homeless woman. I think that that person needed to prove that they were worth something. And so as we look to post things, have conversations, share stories, what would it look like to ask ourselves the question, why am I sharing this? What is it in me that needs to tell this story? What is it in me that needs this plan to work out, these plans to come together? And does sharing this post, story, comment actually build a barrier or a bridge between me and people who are hurting and people who are struggling right now? You know, whether we're talking about uh, judging people or whether we're talking about boasting, both of these things put up barriers so that our weaknesses can't be seen. The challenge today is can we tear those barriers down and instead build bridges? You know, we spend so much time avoiding our own weaknesses and covering them over, but the incredible thing is, is that Jesus became weakness for us. In Philippians 2, verses three to eight, it says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Not only did Jesus become weakness, but he is drawn to the weakness that is in you. And if only our egos would let us, this could be our greatest point of intimacy with Jesus. Just for a moment, I want to talk about sin. Just very briefly, we don't necessarily talk about sin loads. Sin is um, the stuff in us, the mess in us, the weakness in us that, that, that this kind of war is over. We have it inside of us individually, but also corporately as humanity. But our ego doesn't want to let us admit or focus on that sin that is inside of us. There's this brilliant quote by a guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones, and it says this, you will never make yourself feel that you're a sinner because there's a mechanism in you as a result of sin that will always be defending you against every accusation. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that we are sinners, we will never do it. There is only one way to know that we are sinners, and that is to have some dim, glimmering conception of God. You know, our egos often won't allow us to really engage with what's going on inside of us in this weakness and mess area. And some of us today, maybe in the room, maybe online, Maybe you sat there thinking, well, but judgment, I'm not judgy, I'm not boasty, ego, this ego thing, even the barrier thing, it's not an issue for me. But the thing that really nails me every single time is the thing that James leaves us with at the end, the very last verse in James 4. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Sin isn't just the stuff we get wrong, sin is the good that we don't do as well. And so this sin, this mess and weakness, it builds barriers even within us to admit who we are. It builds barriers between us and others, but significantly, it builds barriers between us and God as well. And what happened is that Jesus became a bridge for us to overcome that sin and that weakness. And on Pentecost Sunday, all those Sunday, all that time later, God sent his his spirit to earth so that that bridge can continue to stand. Every time we make a mistake, every time we judge someone else, every time we boast, every time we try and cover our own weakness, the Holy Spirit um, connects us back with God and that bridge still stands. We can be directly connected to God because of what Jesus did and because of his spirit living within us if we let him. Jesus built a bridge and he walks towards us. And the things that our ego would want to hide, to maybe cover uh, with good results or, or, or to cover by pointing out in other people, that is the stuff that Jesus is drawn to in us. Like this, this blows my mind. Uh, I want to do a really quick book, book recommendation just as I finish and come towards the end. Uh, this is a book uh, called Gentle and Lowly. It was recommended to me by a number of people and I'm absolutely loving it. And this is a quote from that book. If you are a part of Christ's own body, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a part of Christ's own body, your sins evoke his deepest heart, his compassion and his pity. He takes part with you, that is, he is on your side. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. You know, when you step into a relationship with Jesus, the person who has always got it right, All the results came through for. The person who really only does have any right to judge us moves towards us. He built a bridge and he moves towards you, towards your mess. And when I begin to realise that, that this is my greatest point of intimacy with him, my ego doesn't stand a chance. And so, ego builds barriers instead of bridges. And these petitions can become our prison. You were called to be free. But more than that, you were called to bring freedom to others as well. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit now. On Pentecost Sunday, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, continually setting us free, but allowing us to set other people free as well. You are called to be on this planet to turn you into us, me into we, as Leon pressed into a little bit last week. We've talked about the fact that I judge you uh, so that I feel better about me and I boast so that I can prove that I am good enough. But the reality is when we get this, we realise that we are all equally unqualified before Jesus. And so Jesus builds a bridge towards us. He meets us there to stand with us and to journey us together to a different place. And when we grasp this, we have to realise that this is what we are called to do to others as well. And so, uh, today, if you are sat here in the room, if you are sat at home, maybe on your sofa or at a desk, I want to invite you to wage a war. I want to invite you to wage war on your ego. In a moment, um, we're gonna just sit and be still and listen to a, a song uh, that's gonna be sung over us. And as we do that, I wanna challenge you to ask a really brave question. As we take in what has been done for us, what might God want you to do for others? Who is sat on the other side of the table to you today? Who is most different to you? Where might you have built barriers where God might want you to tear them down and build them into bridges? What person or people group might be so far away from who you are, but God wants to ask you to take a step towards them today? And the reality of the situation is this. that because of Pentecost Sunday, because God's spirit is living within you when you choose to follow Jesus, you are connected with God. And because Jesus built a bridge for us, between us and God, this war has already been won. The question is, what will you build with his victory? In a second, I'm gonna pray and give us time to reflect. But it may also be today that if you are watching this and, and you don't know Jesus, then maybe the thing to think through in this time is what are the barriers that you have created between you and God? And maybe Jesus might want to take a step towards you today. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you that you do not shy away from the weakness and the mess in us. And again, God, today we come before you and say that we are so sorry when our own mess and brokenness has has led us to putting ourselves on a pedestal above others. Jesus, would you give us a fresh revelation of what you have done for us today? And God, challenge us on what it is that you want us to do for others in return. Amen.